Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Hello, today I am so excited to welcome Brian Smith on the show. Brian is a certified life coach, a grief guide, and a small business consultant. Brian's mission is to help others by sharing lessons he has learned from decades of experience and study. Brian became well acquainted with grief in 2015 after the sudden passing of his 15-year-old daughter, Shana. After Shana's passing, Brian felt his life was over. He had to learn to survive for the sake of his wife and their daughter, Kayla. Brian has studied the nature of life and death and how to progress through grief. He is on the board of the Soul Phone Foundation and Helping Parents Heal. Brian is the author of Grief to Growth, and that is the number two, Grief to Growth, Planted, Not Buried, and he is the host of the Grief to Growth podcast. Welcome to the program, Brian. Thanks for having me, Marla. I appreciate yeah, being here. I, I've listened to your your podcast a lot, and I really, I really enjoy um, all the inspiration and all the stories. So let's just um, let's talk about the very beginning about your upbringing from sort of a religious standpoint and any any religious or spiritual background. Yeah, um, my upbringing was. Uh, Christian. Uh, my grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor, so I actually grew up in my grandfather's church. Um, so I don't know if it's traditional or not, but it's what I grew up in. So, But it was a very um, fire and brimstone type of background that I grew up in, that, that God was angry at everybody, that God wanted to send people to hell, but we could, we could be saved if we believed in Jesus, that type of thing. So I grew up with the real fear of, of death um, because I was like, I just didn't make any sense to me that why God was so angry at people. And if I could even escape this, what about everybody else? So um, that was, that was the beginning of my life. And that was the first uh, I don't know, 20 years, I guess I started having panic attacks even because of this, this fear that I had of death. So that kind of sets the background for everything I'm doing today. Right. And so how old were you when you started having these, these panic attacks. Um, I was, as I remember at about eight years old was when I started thinking, um, you know, it's everybody's different. So I'm going to the same Sunday school as everybody else, right. but I just took it. I took it to heart. Yes. And they would say things like, if you die tonight, where would you go? You know, things like that. And I hadn't been baptized. And the teaching was, if you hadn't been baptized, then you weren't saved. So I went to my parents and I said, can I get baptized? And they said, you're too young. And so I, th I was living in this kind of limbo. It's like right. I was too young to really understand. So I got baptized finally at 13 um, and was saved and spoke in tongues and all the things you're supposed to do when you're Pentecostal, uh, but still never quite felt comfortable with it because yeah. uh, I knew that I still had this, this fear of God. I, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, but it's a big fear of God. 
Right. So the panic right. attack started in my teen years and lasted for about 25 years. Oh, 25 years. That's why, as you know, my passion is um, teaching children or opening up the conversation that that's not that's not what it's all about living in fear but but living in love but we can talk about that a little bit later yeah so i know you have a degree in chemical engineering and however you because of your fear you really jumped into studying a lot of the different traditions can you just el elaborate on that a little bit yeah sure so you know I was in this, this really untenable situation for a long time, 25 years of going through panic attacks, not understanding my relationship with God, feeling less than, feeling like a mm -hmm. you know, terrible human being that was just trying to slide by and just get into heaven just you know, by the skin of my teeth, hopefully. Oh. Um, and so I, went to, I started seeing a counselor, went to see a Christian counselor, which helped quite a bit. Uh, and I, then this is about the time the internet kind of came into being. So with my background being very analytical and stuff, I just jumped on the internet and started looking at everything I could find. So I found this, this faith, if you want to call it, called a Christian Universalist, which are people believe, that believe that God will save everyone through Jesus' sacrifice, not just the chosen few. So that helped a lot. Um, but started doing all this research, and then I started thinking, okay, well, where did the Bible come from? Right. So I started reading about where did the Bible come from? I started reading books about the Bible and about theology and about the early church fathers, which a lot of people don't realize, most of the early church fathers were universalists. Um, so the idea of, this, of this, this binary choice of heaven or hell was actually fairly recent. Um, so I, I, I learned all this stuff. I learned about the rapture, where that idea came from and everything. So that, then I was like, well, what about other faiths? You know, I'm, I'm Christian because I was born a Christian, but if I had been born Buddhist or if I had been born Hindu, I'd probably be one of those. So mm -hmm. let me check those faiths out. And what I did, I found out that they had the same truths that Christianity does. There, there's this core truth that's in basically every religious tradition. Uh, C.S. Lewis called it the Tao. Uh, he said, this, this is eternal. It goes back before there was any religion. So when you look at these different faiths, you find that, that same common core through all of them. And then this is around the time I started studying near-death experiences and yeah. mediumship and all that stuff from a scientific perspective, not necessarily from a faith perspective, and found out that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good reasons to believe that we are eternal beings, not just because the Bible says so, um, that we are all one in a very real sense, that we are we're an eternal meaning that we've always existed and we always will exist. So I started finding out all these things from a, from a different perspective, not just I have to read this one book and believe what this one book says. Mm -hmm. I, I'm like, I see truth all throughout all these traditions. I see science coming around to the truth. I see philosophers coming around to the truth. And I see right now all these things kind of merging together where science is starting to, to uncover the mysteries of the universe, which are crazy. Right. And, and different faiths are coming together finally and saying, yeah, we have a whole lot more in common than we have different. Um, so I'm really encouraged by where things are going. And that's kind of the back, that's kind of the platform I built my, my faith now on. And I tell people, uh, I don't really have faith anymore. It's, it's really more like I know. I, mean, yes. I, I know it as well as I know just about anything. And I was, yesterday I was on Facebook and a young lady was struggling with her faith. She said, I'm struggling with my faith. Can somebody give me some encouragement? I'm like, just as Jesus said, seek and you will find. Don't, don't be afraid to look for the truth. And if you open up your eyes and you do the research, you'll find it. 
and it might be scary at first. It was very scary at first, but it's, it always works out. Yeah. It's interesting too. I had an interview with Lee Whitting and he was talking about Jesus. And I think some people who are not Christian, they sort of, it bothers them when, when people talk about Jesus and Lee, I'll never forget him saying, he said, you know, Jesus is such an amazing, <laughs> an amazing, you know, person, guy. It's much more than that, of course. Yeah. But he said, then Christianity or religion came in and just messed the whole thing up, you know? So it's really, Jesus is about love, you know? We don't have to talk about the rest of it, but he's really, really about love, as are many of the other, you know, Buddha and many of the other leaders. So I find that really fascinating that you jumped into this because most people, including myself, jump into this after, you know, something, something happens in their lives. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, um, I'm so sorry about your daughter, Shana, first of all, and tell us a, a little bit about your, about just briefly what happened and then your journey, your journey after that to where you are today. Okay. Well, um, I believe for, I believe our lives are planned. So yes. I, I and, and I didn't know this till after Shana passed, but I, I do now believe that our lives are planned. And it's ironic that it took the worst tragedy of my life to make me realize that. But looking back, I realized that um, when Shana passed, when she, she, well, first of all, let me just tell you how she passed. She was 15 yes. years old. She was a uh, athlete. She played the national level. She played volleyball. She played basketball. She was a scholar. She was 16th in her class of about 600 kids. Um, she only went to public school for two years. So she went to eighth and ninth grade in public school. Uh, she had just come back from a volleyball tournament. It was a week long, the, the national tournament. And um, she had been home. She got home on Saturday. She spent the night at her friend's house on Monday night. She was back here on Tuesday night. And we went to wake her up on Wednesday morning, June 24th. It was 2015. And she had passed in her sleep. Um, she had a she had a heart condition that we knew about. It wasn't life-threatening. Uh, it was under control. We were seeing a cardiologist. Uh, in fact, he had put her on a two-year, I mean, like every two years she had to go back just to make sure things hadn't gotten worse. Um, and the the condition she had, if it had affected her, it should have been during exercise. So it was a complete, it's, it's still a complete mystery as to, right. as to why she transitioned. But um, as I was telling you before we, we started recording, I was very blessed and because all the research that I had done I, I, I never envisioned Shana being God. I never thought she just disappeared, which I think is a normal reaction. Um, I never had that thought. I, um, I know, and I've talked to mediums since then or kind of give me readings and it's confirmed mm-hmm. what I believe she was in the room when we came in and, and found her. She, you know, so she was with us the whole time we were going through this whole thing. And that's the way I still can, I look at it to this day that Shana is still, still with us. Well, she's always over my shoulder when I do interviews. Yes, beautiful. So, uh, she's in my background. But um, so I, I come, I've come to believe that that was planned. That, and, I, and I blame Shana, by the way, because that's the kind of thing she would have done. But um, I believe it was planned. And I believe that it was planned to launch me and my wife into the work that, that I do now. Yeah, yeah. I can so, so relate to that. It's it's as if they come in just as a bundle of happiness and love, you know, and leave their mark. And then, and then it's the plan for them to go. But I, I also know that, that most things are planned in life. And then 
for for people when it's hard to believe that just listen to all the people with near death experiences and their you know what they're told and all of them there's millions of people out there mm-hmm. and it's just as as difficult as it is it it is true so how did how did you move forward in terms of i know you had done all the research but it's almost as if it seems like you just, you found a new purpose for yourself. So when you said that it happened to project kind of you and your wife forward, can Mm -hmm. you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, and I don't want to gloss over the pain and the grief um, because, you know, even though I I knew that Shana was in her transitioned, um, I still hadn't done all the research to know that she was still right here. So I I learned that later on that how Mm -hmm. close she still is. Um, but there's still that physical loss. There's still, yeah. you know, there's still, there was, there was a long time when I didn't want to be here that I wanted to be with her. She was 15, you know, and I was taking care of her. I wanted to, I wanted to be there to take care of her. So, you know, I, 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 I went through all that. I still go through that at certain times. There's still times when I, I really would like to be with her. Um, but what happened is people started coming into my life that, that were directing me to resources. So, you know, you should call this guy Mark Island. He's his son passed, and he's written a couple of books. So I contacted Mark, and he sent me his books, and he and I had conversations. And then my daughter Kayla, they like my girls like to go to the beach for vacation. So she said, "Let's do something completely different because I don't want to go where because Shana can't be there. So right. let's go to the desert this time. So let's go to Arizona. So we go to Phoenix, Arizona, which we had never been to before, and found out that Elizabeth Poisson lives in Phoenix, and she's the founder of Helping Parents Heal. So like, while we're here, let's just sit down and have, have breakfast with Elizabeth. And we did. We decided to start a chapter of Helping Parents Heal. And this was about a year after Shana had transitioned. Right. So we started that chapter that that turned into the Helping Parents Heal online group, which grew to about 6,000 people, I think, before we merged it with the main group a couple of months ago. Um, got involved with the Soul Phone Project. And then about a year ago, uh, a friend, again, another synchronicity said, there's this life coaching course. You should probably take it. And I'm like, why? I've never said anything to you about being a life coach, but I took the life coaching course and said, I think this is what I, I, I'm here to do. So right. I got my certification and built the website, wrote the book, started the podcast. That was all about a year ago. Wow. So I feel like um, Shana's transition, that was, that was the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, you know, she hadn't done, I'm sitting here reading all these books about mediumship and NDEs and afterlife and all stuff. And she's just like, you know, I don't understand why you're doing all this. Um, but when Shana, you know, crossed over, it's like, she got to, you want to know where your baby is. When, you're, when your kid dies, you want to know where they are. When, when her father passed away several years earlier from Alzheimer's, by the time he passed, he was already gone. I mean, right. so when he, when he left, it was kind of a relief and you could just say, Oh, he's free now. Um, when Shana passed, my wife's like, I need to know where she is. So she's poured herself into this in the last five years and she's doing all the, you know, all the research that I do and listening to the things that I listen to. So she's come a long, long way, you know, in the last five years towards understanding the, the nature of reality, as I would put it. Right. So, Brian, what would your words of wisdom be to people that haven't had a tragedy like like this, but they're just trying to find find themselves in life and trying to find out, you know, find their purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. The thing is, um, unfortunately, for most people, it takes pain to wake us up. 
um, and, you know, and I, I talk about grief to growth and I, I use the subtitle planet, not buried. Most of us feel like we have to feel like we have to be planet before, before we get woken up. Uh, that's just the nature of humans. I think it's, I think it's evolutionary. I think as long as things are working the way we're doing them, we continue to do them that way. It's, it conserves energy. So we don't change things until something happens. So that's kind of the, the, the preamble to answer your question. You can get ahead of it. You can do the research ahead of time. If, if, you, if, if you really just sit down and like if everybody, everybody dies, right? We all, we all die, but nobody wants to believe it. It's the last thing we talk about. Mm-hmm. Pretend that we live forever. We, we, we go get plastic surgery. We work out. We do all these things to try to preserve our youth and pretend that we don't die. If we just open our eyes to the reality of life, they're all going to transition at some point and we're all going to lose someone at some point. We can start preparing ourselves before, right? And we can start we can start studying what death really is, which is just a transition. We can study why are we here, what's the purpose of life, and we can start living that purpose before something like this, you know, triggers that in us. Mm-hmm. Um, studying near death experience is an excellent excellent way to to figure this all out. Um, I was I'm work with a guy that his name is Jeff Jansen. He wrote a book, Ten Life Changing Lessons from Heaven. And what he did, he took hundreds of near-death experiences and distilled down the lessons from those in the 10, 10 lessons and created a book around this. And it's actually a course that we, we teach together uh, that we take people through. So there's, they're basically, while near-death experiences are all unique, there's some things about them that are universal. And there's, there's these like 10 lessons that, that kind of run through all of them. Right. So we could study those things now. We can we can we can figure out what our purpose is now before we have that experience. Right, and in in studying the near death experiences, I always go back to the life review. You know, to know that you're going to be really judging judging yourself with with lots of love around. But mm-hmm. and if if one can, I know it changed my life when I learned more about the life review that just every action I take, I think about how it affects the other person. And if one can walk through life like that. um, So it's really helpful, not just for incredibly helpful, not just for those who are in the middle of a tragedy or something's just, but just for everyone, for the world, if if we we could all live that way. So to segue a bit, um, you know how passionate I am about educating the young about the mm-hmm. afterlife. Mm-hmm. And how do you think it would have been different for you if you would have grown up in a child-like way, knowing all that you know now? And plus, it's so much more, it, it's for me, it's so much more believable than heaven and hell and brimstone and all of that sort of thing you know yeah and so what what do you what do you think about that that is a great question actually you said it asked me i I got goosebumps but i I guess i have two answers to that one is um i think we all go through the things that we're supposed to go through Mm -hmm. so we can always look back at our life and say what if i hadn't gone through that pain what would have happened who would i be and it's kind of like the movie it's a wonderful life we don't we don't know how things would have turned out. So I could wish that I didn't have to go through all that pain, but that pain made me who I am today. And that pain gave me a lot more compassion and empathy and patience and all those things that are developed through that trauma. Now, having said that, 
um, it was after Shana transitioned, we found, we started going to a unity church, um, which is just amazing the way they teach the kids and the way they teach them that you're, you're love and your light. And, you know, they're singing these songs, but we're singing songs about what a wretched sinner we are. You know, when I was a kid, they're singing songs about how, how perfect and how loved everybody is. Um, I think that is a great way to, to raise children. And, and if, and I tried to raise my children that way. Mm-hmm. And when we were actually, we were at a church and they did this thing with my daughter, Kayla, where they told her she was a sinner. And God was like, they had this literally piece of paper. It was like white on one side and black on the other side. And you're like, God is pure, you know, good. And you're, you're the black side, which is a couple of lessons in there. I like one is that she's evil. The other is black is evil. We're, we're black people. Um, so I went to the, the Sunday school people and I said, you know, this is not acceptable. And I explained why, and they were, they were gracious and they, they apologized and everything, but I realized I did not want to raise my, my kids in a church like that. Right. So we took them out of that church and started going to United Church of Christ, which has a much more universal message. Um, I, I think it's great now with the resources that we have and the knowledge we have that we can teach kids that you are, you are loved, that you are, that you are a, you are good in your heart. You were made good. You were not, you were never evil. You were never an enemy of God. And, and I can't imagine how that would change the world. Um, right. if, if everybody knew that message right now, we still have a very, you know, even people aren't raised like I was, we have a very materialistic message. We have the message is you're an accident of nature. Nobody really cares about you. You're, you're here and then you're gone. You, you're just, you're just a mistake in evolution. And your, your life is worth like that. You're on and off like a, like a light switch. So that's, that's a message that I think a lot of people are getting today, which is not a helpful message either. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get the message out that, that you want to deliver and that I want to deliver to, to people and their children, it would, it would change the world. Right. And I, I think that the millennials, I mean, they're standing up against the dogma a lot of a lot of the religion and just saying no, you know, and exploring in their own way, whether it's yoga or unity church, you know, just, just different spiritual paths. And, Mm -hmm. and something also that would change the world is if children knew that when someone passed, I mean, you always have to go through grief, of course, but that they could still connect with them and they're still right there. And let's face it, if they're really young, they know it because they they can see them or feel them because they're just still so, still so close to, close to the source. So, so Brian, you are speaking at the IONS conference. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit because I'm really excited about it. The weekend of August 14th, 15th, and 16th. So can you tell us IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, can you tell us when you'll be speaking and what you'll be talking about? Yeah, I'm actually going to be helping moderate a panel. And that's going to be on August the 15th. That's a Saturday at three o'clock Eastern time. And we're going to be discussing grief and loss and a journey to healing. Um, so it, it's kind of like what my whole thing is with, with grief to growth. It's a matter of, okay, let's, how do we look at, at grief? What is, what is grief? Why do we have grief? How do we navigate through grief? And what is the real loss of death? You know, so it's, it's reframing those things. So we're going to have, right. it's going to be a panel discussion. Again, that'll be Saturday, the, the 15th of August. And uh, for anybody that wants to sign up for it, you can just go to virtualconference.ians.org. You can sign up for the conference. 
Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be great. There are going to be some great speakers there. Uh, Anita Morjani, Reverend, uh, Howard Storm, Suzanne Giesman. Um, uh, so it's going to, it's going to be really, I'm really excited about, you know, yeah. participating. And the great thing with it being online is everybody can be there. You don't right. have to travel and uh, it won't be that expensive. Yeah, yeah. I love the theme this year, which is unlocking the healing wisdom of near-death experiences. I, that I just love that. It's just, it's going to be, it's just going to be magical. And for my listeners, just to let you know, um, there's going to be all kinds of different topics. Mm -hmm. There's going to be personal accounts of inspirational NDEs, um, up-to-date reports by expert researchers, healing help for grief, anxiety, and fear of death, and even a live participatory experiencers sharing lounge. That's quite a mouthful. Yeah. And, um, and we'll be able to, I, if you sign up before, is it July 15th or 16th? It's only $99. And you have, I think, a month or even longer, 90 days, 90 after, days after yeah. you can watch video on demand. So it's, it's just going to be, be an amazing conference. How has IONS um, helped you? You know, it's really interesting because um, I actually attend the local IONS when we had local meetings, but uh, before COVID, I attend the local IONS meetings for probably two or three years. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a meeting not too far from where I am. You can actually do IONS meetings online now. Uh, I can't remember the, the, where you go, but if you go to the IONS website, I'm sure you can find it. But you can participate in the meetings online. Um, I'm not an experiencer myself, but as I was saying earlier, the NDE itself is an amazing thing. Okay, so there's there's a couple levels. One is people have this experience that some people dismiss as a dream or as the the uh, hallucination of the dying brain, uh, which is certainly not. And there's veridical NDEs that, that prove that it's not, for one thing. But there's the experience itself, which is different for everybody. But then there are the lessons from it, and that's the thing that's going to be really cool about this year's IANS conference. It's not just, you know, I went to heaven and I saw you know, my dog and I saw my, my, my child and I saw my, you know, whatever, that's all really great. But what are the lessons from it? And like one of the things that you talked about the, the life review, if you live your life every day, thinking about your life review, it will improve your life tremendously. Mm -hmm. You will be so much uh, kinder to people. You'll be more patient. You'll be easier on yourself. Um, and, and it's not, I really hate the word we're going to judge ourselves because yeah. judge implies that we're going to say good or bad, but we're going to say, yeah, I could have done that a little bit better. Exactly. Or when I did that, it made this Correct. person feel this way. Yes. And so if we live our life with that in mind, we'll, we'll change our lives now. So we can take that life review. And, and I do that. I, I I'm always preparing for my life review. How's this going to look in my life review? What am I going to think about when I'm, what I'm seeing this played back? Right. Um, so it's, it's, a, that's one of the biggest lessons I think of the NDE. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. And is there anything you would like to like to say that we didn't that I didn't get around to? No, I just want to tell people where they can reach me. Uh, it's www.grief, the number two growth.com. Uh, you can find everything there. Um, so you, I, as I said, I'm a life coach, uh, I help people with grief. And uh, you can just find me there. Great. And Everyone has, the book is amazing and all of this will be on our show notes. So you'll be able to go in and, and check those out. We'll have a wonderful day and a quiet 4th of July. I think we all will. <laughs> with uh, the COVID. Yeah. Uh, yes. So thank you so much. 
Marla, thanks for having me on. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.